One more, Lord. You're worthy of one more, God. If I still got breath in my lungs, Lord, let it exhale. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it exhale. You're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord for just a moment. And we're going to look to the Word of God. I took time and testified about what God is doing to prove His vision at the Tree of Life Church. And I'll probably wish I had those minutes back here in a moment. Lord, help us. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. I want to, uh, I want to just start by saying how humbled I am to stand before you. I consider myself least among my brethren. And uh, I love this church. I love this church. You know, um, there may be some named among us that could tell you what's wrong with the church. Well, congratulations. But if you need to hear a different report, stop by and ask me. I'll tell you what's right with the church. Hallelujah. I'll tell you about the waters of baptism being stirred. I'll, I'll tell you about the Bible studies being taught. I'll tell you about people giving of their tithe and offering and their time and servitude. I'll tell you about folks stopping me in the hallway during children's ministry and saying, I appreciate you, I'm praying for you. I'll tell you about children raising their hands, tears streaming down their face as the glory of the Lord is sweeping over our children's ministry. There's a lot right with the church. Hallelujah. And I say that, somebody go ahead. You know you want to give him praise. Why don't you just do it? Hallelujah. Let's not be inhibited this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I stand before you grateful. I honor my pastor. He's celebrating his anniversary with his beloved. And I wonder if we could just collectively, and let's say it as a prayer. Let's say, God bless brother and sister Urshan. Let's say it, one, two, three. God bless brother and sister Urshan. Amen. Bless their union. Give them commonality and vision. Bind them together, Lord. Use them for your glory. We thank you, God, for our pastor. Thankful for this ministry team. Uh, Brother David Jordan came up to me during song service, just spoke a word of encouragement into my life. And I want to be that same vessel to you this morning and encourage you today. We're going to look to the book of Proverbs in the 30th division. And uh, as we're looking there, a common verse of scripture, let me also say I'm thankful for my family. You know, it was not long ago that I stood in this pulpit at a midweek service and I began to talk about family. And uh, I made a resolution at that time that I was not going to stand and minister without thanking God publicly for my family. So I thank God for my family, my daughters, and my son, and my beautiful wife. You all won't believe this, but we have been married next month 22 years. Amen. Woo! That's a weighty crown and glory for that woman. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God has blessed us. And, and I, know, I know you're all saying, how can that 22-year-old young lady have been married 22 years? Oh, hallelujah. It's going to be good. Hallelujah. Okay. The 30th division of the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at verse 15. If you'd like to stand in honor of the word, I gave you just a brief intermission, but we're going to do it again. God is going to move in this place. Somebody say amen. Verse 15 the horse leech hath two daughters crying. And the focus is not the horse leech or the daughters, but what they had to say. Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Three things that say, give, give. Yea, the scripture goes on, four things. 
say not, it is enough. So four things that say give, give, it is not enough. The first one is the grave, and the barren womb is the second. The earth that is not filled with water is the third, and I want to draw your attention to the fourth. And the fire that saith not, it is enough. Someone say the fire that saith not. Amen. We're going to look now to Hebrews 12, the 12th division in the 29th verse. The scripture is very simple here, and it closes out Hebrews 12, and it says... For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire, declares the writer of Hebrews. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I want to share the next few moments with you today, and I just want to talk on this topic. The unquenched fire of the Holy Ghost. The unquenched fire of the Holy Ghost. And church, I can tell you with great certainty that the message is bigger than the messenger today. So would you pray with me that the Lord would visit us in these next few moments. Father God, I ask you right now to be near. Cleanse me and purge me in my heart and my mind. Make me safe to your people, God. I pray that your word would be alive, God. Not for show, Lord, not for effect, Lord, but that it would transform us that it would change us by its hearing, God, that our faith might be increased. We are your children, the ones that you love, and we desire, Father, communion with you. We desire to be made and molded in your likeness and image. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this morning. Would someone agree with me and say amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I grew intrigued a number of weeks ago. I don't know that I was ever really conscious of it, although it is a common occurrence. I grew intrigued by the forest fires that are really raging this year and breaking records from previous years, at least for America. As of a week ago, and in fact eight days ago, in California alone, The forest fires have claimed, I want you to think about this for a moment, over 824,000 acres. They have consumed everything in their path. And they have been fueled by the oxygen and the momentum that comes with the wind that blows and that changes directions. And they've moved across landscapes that are largely uninhabited But it has had a dramatic impact. Cities that are overtaken with smoke and there has been concerns, there's been evacuations because the fire is no respecter of whatever is in its path. It knows to do one thing and that is to consume. It is not quenched. It does not say enough, enough, but it says what is next. And so as I've watched this, I've been astounded. Every living thing in the fire's path is impacted. The plant life, the animal life, and in the cases where it applies, the human life. The fires are changing the landscape. Where it has burned does not look like it did before. It will burn, it will consume And what these fires are doing is proving to be beyond what mankind's efforts are able to counter. 
Now, Smokey the Bear used to say, only you can prevent forest fires. Do you all remember that? And, and if we're talking purely about prevention, that's probably a true statement. But Smokey, what happens if the fire's already burning? Then what do we do? For California, there are literally tens of thousands of firemen that are actively fighting these fires. Hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent in the effort. What we are seeing is exactly what Solomon describes in the book of Proverbs. We are seeing the unquenched fire consuming everything in its path. And so what can be done to stop the fire? I'm plagued by the question because when I look at the pictures in the media and when I read the articles about what is happening in the territory where the fire is burning, I find a contrast to what is happening in the church. Now, I've already prayed that the Lord make me not afraid of your faces. And uh, I'm going to confess something openly to you. The Lord has been dealing with me and has given me a great discomfort with the limitations that I have put on him. And you've heard me say it before, but I'm telling you, he has not left me alone. And so when I stand before you, some of it might roll off of me onto you. But the scripture tells me that our God is a consuming fire. All too often, I sit in my social circles and it's a smoke-free zone. Y'all catching up with me? Too many times I come in and it's not an indictment on my family. If I was to condemn anyone... I won't condemn anyone. I will not even condemn myself because there is therefore now no condemnation. But if I'm going to be honest, I've sat in my own home and there were just topics that if they came up, they quickly went away. Because there wasn't a consuming fire burning. And I've stood in the marketplace and I've even socialized with Christians that are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the conversation went to entertainment and it went to politics and it went to culture and it went to sports. But there was no consuming fire in the interaction. Should I go home? I stopped by to tell the church this morning mm, that our God is a consuming fire. I stopped by to encourage you, some mother that's travailed, some father 
that's had a burden on his heart that wants to see his life change and the marketplace around him change and his unsafe co-workers baptized in the name of Jesus. I stopped by to tell somebody that it's the will of God, hallelujah, that the fire of the Holy Ghost burn, that it burn and that it consume and that it consume and that it burn. And when it finds depravity, that it consumes depravity. And when it finds depression, that it consumes depression. And when it finds suicidal tendencies, that it consumes the suicidal tendency when it finds that spirit that would come over a man or a woman and cause them to forsake their loved ones. He wants to consume it. He wants to heal. It's a contrast to the fire that's burning in the forest that takes life with no regard. The scripture says rather, check, check, check that, triple check that. I read in the media, which is not the scripture, hallelujah, that there were 129 million large timbers that have been in the path of this fire that were entirely dead. And so the analysts said that the fuel that comes from these dead trees is so immense that it overcomes the fuel around it that otherwise might not normally be consumed. Now, now, here's why the message is bigger than the messenger. Because I'm just seeing God's hand all over this thing. And he's speaking into my spirit. And he's telling me that he wants to burn. He wants to burn through the tree of life, church. Hallelujah. He wants to burn into households and into relationships. He wants to, he wants to burn into the job and into the marketplace and the mall. And he, he wants to burn into the restaurant. And he, he wants to go ahead and, and just burn into the social circles and spill out into the parks and the recreation centers. And he wants to burn at every, every place that is gathered to celebrate, you know, sports teams and this and that. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But, but I'm telling you, the Lord wants to be in it. He wants a part. He's a consuming fire. It's not his will that there be any fuel out there that he doesn't get to touch. It's the desire of the king of glory to burn in you and me. Hallelujah. I want to read from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 9. Brother Zach, if you get that for me. This is the scripture that the writer of Hebrews was referencing when he said, our God is a consuming fire. And so I know I'm doing a little teaching. And do you know what's so crazy? Sometimes when I'm in my work week and I'm trying to like befriend my neighbors that are unchurched and trying to talk to them about the Lord, and I try to change my language and take the little King James out of it and maybe, maybe not use words like sanctified and just use words like changed, you know, and stuff like that. And I try to, I try to, I try to, you know what I'm saying. I try to be like, I'm not crazy, you know, God is good, we can talk about this, it's fine, you know, and it's kind of hard, and we come from a culture, we come from a king, this church is a King James culture church, we start dropping some King James, and it's like, woo, thou art worthy of praise, the world's like, who is thou, you know, so I'm going somewhere, because I told my wife, I said, I'm having a midlife preaching persona crisis. I don't know who I am anymore. I said, sometimes I get up there and scream and holler at everybody, and then I'm trying to be practical and bring it down to, you know, a, an, a, an applicable level. And then, and then you know, I try to, I try to teach and, and, you know, 
she wasn't having any of this conversation. She was like, oh, honey, you're all those things. So, thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 9, hear, O Israel, the Scripture says. Now, this is God speaking through his prophet. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day. Can you imagine what it would have been like to hear the words, I'm taking you over Jordan? Yeah, you guys have lost your imagination. Is that what all these superhero movies have done to you? You can't even, you can't even wrap your mind around the God of the ages saying, I'm taking you over. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because I'm telling you, he's here this morning saying, I'm taking you over. Hallelujah. He's still speaking to his children. Watch what he says. To go in and to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven. Now, I got to ask a question. Did the Lord just use some hyperbole right there? I have never seen a fence up to heaven. Now, in the spirit, I don't know how high the fences go. But he said, it doesn't matter. These are great and mighty cities fenced up to heaven. These are a people, Deuteronomy 9 and 2, that are great and tall. The children of the Anakim. That's the Anakims, not Anakin. For you Star Wars fans, this is Anakim. The children of the Anakims, who thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? Deuteronomy 9.3. Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God, he, thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. This is where the writer of Hebrews plucked this concept. The Lord thy God... Is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them and he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto thee. Church, we know that there was fire in the Old Testament. Fire. The mountain that was filled with fire and burned with smoke and caused the people's hearts to tremble. But I want to draw a contrast between that fire and the New Testament. Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost fire. Because when Jesus talked about the New Testament Holy Ghost fire, he called it a comforter that was fully come. Hallelujah. He said in John chapter 6, my Lord, I'm all over the map. The spirit quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The spirit quickeneth. You want to know what it takes for the fire to burn? The spirit has to be quickened. Because when I'm in the conversation, when I'm in the moment, when I see the pain, hallelujah, the spirit quickens me to speak a word of life, to extend a hand of healing, and to be the agent of God in the earth. Hallelujah. Everything all right? Hallelujah. So I would submit to you this morning that this God that is a consuming fire, Elijah, when he, when he was charged by the false prophets and when they were having their royal rumble, he said, let the God that answereth by fire. That's who he referred to when he referred to our God. He was referring to the consuming fire of God. I want to submit to you this morning that our God, who is a consuming fire, desires to see every enemy of the children of God destroyed. Every enemy of the children of God destroyed. Now, nobody's marching up in our parking lots. Nobody's got a gun to our head. Nobody is oppressing us in a way that we see in some foreign lands. But there are enemies of the children of God aplenty. 
I said there are enemies of the children of God aplenty. They are everywhere. And they make war with our minds. Hallelujah. And they make war with our finances. Come on. And they make war with our children. And they come and they try to, to create tumult and, 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 and dissimulation within the church and within families and within the units that God would desire to fuse together and make one like him for his glory. So there are enemies. But the consuming fire of God will burn through what the enemy has designed against you, the child of God. It will burn through every device. It will burn through every design. Hallelujah. It will indeed consume. It's a consuming fire. Now, now this is in my heart. I've got to share this. One of the identity crises that the church has is that we forget that we are Christ in the earth. We are not here to be saved. We are here to be Jesus. Man, some of y'all are already at the restaurant. That's fine. That's fine. We'll get there. But God did not bleed and die on Calvary's mountain just so that I could be saved and say, forget about it. No, 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 no. He bled and died on Mount Calvary. Hallelujah. Shed his blood. The spotless lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That I might be Christ in the earth, endued with power from on high. So, Brian, what are you saying? This is what the apostle Paul meant when he said, for me to live is Christ. Y'all, I have not looked at my notes enough. I don't know where we're going to go. Okay, here's the thing. He was saying, if I'm here, if I got breath in my lungs, if there's flesh on these bones, then Jesus is still in the earth. That's what he meant. For me to live is Christ. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not revelatory to any of y'all, but it took me about 35 years to figure out that's what the apostle Paul was saying. And then if I die, then Christ goes off the scene and I'm, I'm, I'm gained because I'm with him in glory. That's what Paul was saying. But if we stop and we say, well, then what did Jesus say about himself and what did Jesus do in the earth? For one thing, we know that the scripture says greater works than these. Then what Christ did shall you do. Well, then why? Why is the forest fire being consumed by hundreds of thousands of acres, but all the aspects of my life that I just mentioned are not? What is happening here? We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. So I, I hear Jesus and I see him in my mind's eye because we cast down imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, but it's okay to go ahead and imagine things when it's within the counsel and the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. We serve a creative God. We're creative beings. Let your imagination go cray cray, but keep it here. Because the bigger you can dream and the bigger you can see, the more God will do with the faith that he has already put in you. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. My Lord God in heaven. So he stands up in the temple and he reads from the book of the prophet. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to, blind, to the blind. And set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So you ask yourself, what does it mean to be Christ in the earth? 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon you <laughs> to preach the gospel to the poor. Praise the name of Jesus. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted. My God in heaven. Hallelujah. To preach deliverance to the captives. My God in heaven and recovering of sight to the blind. And we get so wrapped up in the physical and we say, well, why don't we see signs and wonders? I want to tell you that within this very assembly, we have seen blind eyes open maybe once, twice, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, any given Sunday, we see spiritual eyes opened as the revelation of who God is and who you are. And the power of the Holy Ghost sweeps across this assembly. And I'm thankful to God for it. And he wants to burn in us and make us a consuming fire. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. So you guys know how this goes. Here comes John the Baptist. Jesus has something to say about John. He said, there's none greater. And then he says something that just like confounds everybody, except the least in the kingdom. <laughs> That's another day. Hallelujah. Suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. If you're in this kingdom, you're greater than John the Baptist. This is a kingdom that John the Baptist did not partake of. John the Baptist's head was served up on a platter, huh? Because a wicked ruler's wife was proven she was wicked. Huh? Do you guys follow me? And I know I'm, I'm like hitting on all these things that you have to have a little foundational knowledge about before you can go there with me. But Jesus said there is none greater than John the Baptist. And John was out there declaring as the forerunner of Christ that there was one coming after him. <laughs> Hallelujah. That he was not worthy to even stoop down and latch or unlatch his shoes. I mean, I didn't, he didn't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what I would say. Well, tell us. Tell us, John, how great is he? Well, he's so great that I couldn't even put his shoes on for him. That's, that's what he was saying. And he says, but even if I have, as I have baptized you with water, this same Jesus is going to baptize you with fire. Is that what the scripture had to say? There is one coming that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do you know why the conjunction and is in there? Because the Holy Ghost doesn't come without the fire. That's why he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because something's going to burn when he gets on the inside of you. And it's going to change everything that you come in contact with. We have people that believe they have received the Holy Ghost, and I'm not here to discredit anybody's walk, but I want to ask you a question. Do you have the fire down on the inside that is consuming all of the flesh that is your carnal man? That mind that is the enemy of God. There is a Holy Ghost fire that should burn in you and in me. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful today for the Holy Ghost fire. Now that fire that burns, it is none other than the Spirit of God. Now if you're here and you're unchurched or you just started coming, you said, man, I like what I feel. The music's pretty cool. That one girl's voice, man, she's something. I'm coming back. But I still think everybody's crazy. 
I want to declare to you the gospel, that is to say the good news of Jesus Christ. When we talk about the Holy Ghost, we are talking about the Spirit of God. God is a spirit. His flesh was in the earth for a space and time, but now he is in the earth through you and I and inside of us, hallelujah, as the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. That Holy Ghost was poured out shortly after Jesus ascended from the earth. He did not ascend from the earth until he had done a few things. One thing that he did was die. Another thing that he did was be buried. And yet a third thing that he did was resurrect himself from the dead, showing that he was God. And once he was resurrected, he proved that he was God through what the scripture calls many infallible proofs. And he did it after his passion because he loves you and he loves me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. You may say, well, Brian, why is that good news? Because when he died was buried and resurrected. He resurrected with power, hallelujah, over death, hallelujah, over hell and over the grave, over your circumstance and over your situation, over infirmity and over disease, hallelujah. He died, was buried and resurrected with power, even the power of an omnipotent God. And he said to us, go tarry and pray that you be endued with this same power that I have just put on display. Hey, I got newsflash. I'm living way below my privilege, people. Way below my privilege. His message was, did you see the power? Did you see what just happened? I raised myself up from the dead. Now I'm going to endue you with power. <laughs> After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Glory to God. So there were believers that went and tarried in Jerusalem. Tarried. Tarried. Now when we say that in the church, we mean something different than waiting for a table at Ruby Tuesdays. When we tarry in the presence of the Lord, we're seeking his face. Father God, I've read your word. Father God, I'm here with my brothers and sisters of like precious faith. I'm trusting in your promise. I'm believing in you, God. I know that you're able. You said that if I tarried, you would pour out your spirit and we're here. We don't see anything but you and you lift it high. Lord, we don't see anything but your glory filling this room in the name of Jesus. And as they tarry, the scripture says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I'm going to tell you why there was wind. Because fire needs oxygen. Woo! Hallelujah! And there sat upon every one of them cloven tongues like as a fire. Hallelujah! Like as a fire. And I'm sorry, Smokey, you told us to prevent the fire, but it's burning now. What are we going to do about it? Hallelujah! And I'm telling you right now, church, the fire didn't stop in the upper room, but they spilled out into the street, speaking in another tongue as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance and all of a sudden individuals from the four corners of the world they said what is this I hear them testifying to me in my own native tongue a language that they had not learned and Peter stands up and he says these men are not drunken but then he had to check himself comma as you suppose 
Uh Uh-huh, Brother Jordan, you with me? I mean, I can't really say they're not drunk. But they're not drunken, as you suppose. They're not under the influence of fire water. They're under the influence of Holy Ghost fire. Hallelujah. And it's consuming them right now. And they are becoming my witnesses in the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, they didn't know what to do. So Pete said, I'll tell you what to do. The first thing you need to do if you want to partake of what you're seeing is repent. Repent. Hallelujah. Repent. That old military term. Repent. Turn around. You were going your own way. Now go God's way. Repent. Turn from your carnal mind. Turn from your fleshly lust. Repent. This is the part of the gospel that we call the death. Because when we repent, we are dying to ourselves. Hallelujah. Lord, let the body of death in me be crucified that the spirit of life may live. Hallelujah. How many can pray that with me right now? Lord, let the body of death be crucified in me that the spirit of life may live. Praise the name of Jesus. He said to repent and be baptized. This is the burial part in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, I I don't even know what's happening in my notes. So, but here's what I do know. I came in this morning. I haven't been part of a Sunday morning worship service in a long time. You all are up here singing about Jesus. There's power in his name. I was about to come unglued. Hallelujah. I said, somebody stop the service. Pull the plug. Give me the mic. Let me preach now. Hallelujah. I need somebody right now to declare his name. Say it again. Hallelujah. Now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to say it, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 more times. I don't know. But this is what we're going to do. I want you to think about your flesh, and then I want you to declare his name. Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to think about a wayward loveland right now, a co-worker that's lost. I want you to get him in your mind's eye right now. And in the name of Jesus, we're going to declare his name. Say it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Right now, if there's sickness in your body, if there is sickness in your body, I want you to look at that sickness as though it has a person, and I want you to speak the name of Jesus to that sickness. In the name of... Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, the Holy Ghost is in this place. There is power in his name. Demons tremble at his name. You say, I'm scared, Brian. I said, when you say Jesus, fear has got to go. I said, I said, I'm not sure if I believe. I'm telling you right now, when you speak Jesus, faith begins to build. Go ahead and declare his name in this place again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want my life, Lord. To be lived in vain, God. And I don't want to take your name in vain, Lord. So he preaches, be baptized. Hallelujah. And you shall receive the gift. Now, y'all, here's a preview because I don't know when I'm going to preach it, but I'm going to preach it. It's been on me for a minute. I'm going to preach about receivers. Football season's about to start, whatever that is. Idolatry season's about to start. Hallelujah. All right. We're just going to talk. We're just going to dwell in truth. Hallelujah. And so, the receiver's job is to get himself in a position to receive. Somebody's always running a route to get open. Are you? 
Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost was poured out. What is that? That's the Spirit of God on the inside, alive and burning, consuming fire, consuming fire. 1152, Jesus, help me. There are people under the sound of my voice. I know that you want the Spirit of Christ to burn in you. I know you want this Monday to be different than last Monday. I had a brother come up to me Wednesday. He said, you know what? The Holy Ghost checked me this week. He said, I told a joke I probably shouldn't have told. And he said, and then my coworker said, I thought you were a Christian. I said, the Holy Ghost didn't check you. Your coworker did. <laughs> so, it was a good story. I, I appreciate him sharing it with me. But we all have been there. Come on, where are all you holy, holy, holy people at? Come in here, feet not touching the floor. Pinch yourself. There's no flesh to be found. That spirit is haughty, and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We are a fallen people living in a fallen world, and we need God. We need him on the inside. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We need the word of truth. We need his grace. We need a mercy that fails not. We need a love that's everlasting. Hallelujah. My Lord God in heaven. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what a consuming fire will do. It'll consume a spirit that thinks you're better than everybody else. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what else a holy fire will do. It'll consume a spirit that thinks that once you said, I believe, you don't have to look like. Uh-oh. Come on now. Does a fire change the landscape or does it leave it the same? I'm telling you, there's a marked change. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old habits are passed away. Behold, all things are new. We serve a holy God. Let the Holy Ghost fire burn in you. Jesus, Jesus, let the Holy Ghost fire burn in me. All right, so let's cut to it. Let's get down to the crux of the matter. And you know what? I already prayed. I said, God, don't let me measure anything about this Sunday. Don't let me measure anything about it. If the place blows up, if they walk out on me, don't let me measure a thing, God. Just let me, just let me walk in the Spirit. Because at the end of the day, I don't have to face you. i got to face him. At the end of the day, you're not going to give me a crown. He is. At the end of the day, I'm not going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to lay it at his. Hallelujah. So we got to stay in the book. And we got to stay true to the word of God. Hallelujah. My Lord in heaven. So what is a, what is a fire department, state, local, and federal do? To stop a blaze that's out of control. The Bible charges us to be aware of the enemy's devices. I want everyone to say the fire line. Say the fire break. Before the fire ever starts, the departments that are tied to that whole effort to subdue these forest fires. They look at the landscape and they say, we're going to clear a path, a wide path in this area right here. We're going to strip it of any fuel for the fire. And we're going to call this a fire line because the fire can come here, but no further. 
We're going to call it a fire break because this is where the fire gets broken. Some of these fires have raged with such intensity that they have broken the fire line and they have broken the fire break. And I, I feel in my spirit to prophesy right now that some of you are about to break the spiritual fire line that is in your life right now. I, I don't know who it is right now, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's a young person, there's a young married couple, there's a father, there's a mother. Somebody is going to let the Lord burn in them with such fierce intensity that the fire line can't stop it until they are wholly consumed. Hallelujah. So the fire burns to the line, but there's a perimeter, a prescribed, designated fire break that keeps the fire from burning out of control. Do I need to draw the parallel? The enemy of our souls has designed fire lines and fire breaks all around the perimeter of this sanctuary. The enemy of our souls has said, I don't care if she shouts all the bobby pins out of her hair in the sanctuary. I just don't want her loving her neighbor when she gets home. Come on. I don't care if he gets up and he declares the word of God, but when he's in his sales meeting on Monday morning, I just want it to be all about him and his performance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fire lines, fire breaks. I don't care if they weep at an altar on a Sunday morning as long as they're faithful to their show on Monday night. A fire line, a fire break, a place the fire's not allowed to burn. There's a problem with being real. And I'm right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> as long as that app that they've been playing for three to five hours a day for the last three months has got a hold on them, I don't really care what happens on Sunday morning. See, my, folks, this to me is so elementary, my dear Watson. But here it took me 40 and, yeah, I say almost two to figure it out, that the enemy has plotted fire lines and fire breaks all around me. If they lift their hands and sing the songs of Zion on Sunday morning, but the television runs from sunup to sundown in their home and there is no praise found. See, some of y'all think that I'm meddling. I'm not meddling. I'm not meddling at all. There's no condemnation here. I hope there's some conviction because if just one person gets a hold of this, if just one person says, God, consume me, if just one person says, I'm going to take the seed of the word, I'm going to find the clearing where the fire line is, and I'm going to start sowing that seed. If just one person takes the holy water that flows from Calvary, hallelujah, and they say, I'm going to water it, and I'm going to let something flourish in the fire line, I'm going to let something grow up in the fire break, that I can be consumed here, and I can be consumed there, and I 
can be consumed now and I can be consumed then. And I can be consumed early and I can be consumed late. How far y'all want me to go? Do you understand what I'm saying? Our God is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. The message is bigger than the messenger today. The message is bigger than the messenger. Let's all stand in this place. Musicians, come. I want to go back to Luke chapter, I believe it's 4. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Please don't check out on me. I know it's high noon to preach the gospel to the poor. Poverty is not limited to a system, a systemic poverty and economical poverty. And I'm too broke. I'm broke as the Ten Commandments. You all know what I'm talking about. It's not limited to that kind of broke. Poverty is poorness in spirit and poorness in faith. Poverty doesn't understand that your father is the king. Father, poverty doesn't understand that he is rich in mercy. If you're here today and that's you, and you're poor in spirit and you're broken, I bring you good news. The Holy Ghost fire wants to consume the poverty. It wants to consume the poverty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the young people whose Instagram relational status just changed. God wants to heal some of that too, I guarantee but I'm talking about those that have a broken heart, a heart that can't function. It doesn't feel the way it's supposed to feel. It doesn't even understand or comprehend what it means to feel compassion. What it means to love self. It's a broken heart. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. There's healing in this place. There's wholeness in this place. No, 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 no. Watch this. Watch this. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. None of us are slaves today. None of you had some master drop you off. Got a bracelet on. You can only go 30 yards. Listen to me. Our heritage... And some of our history may be darkened with that type of slavery. But I'm telling you, in this place, there's a greater captivity than any other. Journey with me for a minute. If there is a captive, then there has to be a captor. And before the captive can ever be taken by the captor, perhaps there's something that they found captivating along the way. Some of us have found ourselves captive audience to the enemy of our souls. And we've been captivated by the prince and the power of the air. We've been captivated by cultural influences. We've been captivated by identities that did not come from this book. And I came to preach deliverance to the captives this morning. Mother, you're worth more than what that magazine cover is showing you. Father, you have a job to do that's greater than what you do nine to five. 
Don't be captive by the enemy. Recognize what's captivating your attention. What is captivating me? Do you understand that I serve a God who led captivity captive? He made the very captivity his captive. He put it in his pocket and he said, I reign over every manner of captivity. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Be free today. Be free today. He got. Recovering of sight to the blind. Eyes that don't see themselves the way they should see. That don't see circumstance with faith. Eyes that always behold and immediately gripped with fear. He came to give recovering of sight to the blind. The scripture says that without vision the people perish. That is, without perspective. Without the ability to see things the way that we should see them. It's a blindness. Jesus healed three different times. He healed blind men. One, he anointed and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Another one, he made an anointing and put it on his eyes, and he said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees. Some of you are that way. You see men as something more than you ought to. (laughs) And then he said, well, we can't have that, so he anointed him again. What do you see now? I see, I can see clearly now, Lord. You hear me? What's what's the lesson, Brian? Sometimes it takes more than once. Some of us are due for a second encounter with the King of Glory. Hallelujah. Yet another time, two blind men cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He said, do you believe? Do you have faith that I can hear you? They said, we do. He said, then see. What are you saying, Brian? I'm saying that regardless of the type of blindness, regardless of the phase of blindness, regardless of the location of the blindness, Jesus came to heal it all. Whatever you can't see clearly, he wants to make clear. Hallelujah. Whatever you see that doesn't make sense to you, he wants to give you knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. To set at liberty them that are bruised. I know I got to close. My own people are downstairs with your children. Help us, Lord. They get rambunctious right about now. So I was in Canada a few weeks ago fishing. I fell out of the boat. Exciting times. Through the process of this debacle, I fell on the aluminum edge of the boat. The vast majority of my weight right here. So from my sternum to my armpit, there was this thing that developed called pain. It was, I was deeply bruised, deeply bruised. Listen to me, church. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised. See, you can't see my bruise. I've been to church for a month, and you never saw my bruise because it's deep. It went deep into the fiber of who I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it restricted, it restricted my ability to move the way I wanted to move. It restricted my ability to act the way I wanted to act. 
I lay down on my bed gently and I couldn't really lift my head forward and it was a painstaking effort to roll over. Things that seemed so simple to everybody else were hard for me because I was bruised. And some of you in your spirits and in your emotions and in your psyche, you have been bruised. And I declare that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to give you liberty, full range of motion, healing in your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul. I know what he did was terrible. I know what she said was hurtful. I know that you've got baggage. But Jesus Christ, my Savior, bled at Calvary to set at liberty them that are bruised. And finally, he's anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That great day. You can come now. The Spirit's here. It doesn't matter if you want it. That great day, Jesus is returning. And so if you're captivated, if you're captivated, just know he's coming. If you're bruised, just know he's coming. If you're blind, just know he's coming. He's coming again. And when he splits that eastern sky, hallelujah, will he find faith in the earth? I'm telling you, I plan on him finding it right here. Our God is a consuming fire. I wonder if there's anybody saved under the sound of my voice that wants to put the seed of the word on the fire break. If that's you, raise your hands and respond to the word right now. If there's anybody in this place that needs deliverance, that needs salvation, I've declared unto you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost where you sit or you can come forward. But in these next few moments, there's a landmark being established. Let's seek the face of God in Jesus' precious name.